Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost badly to the Bengals. Unfortunately, this isn't the Twilight Zone. I'm not Rod Serling. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. If you were making a film about quality football... Most of the Steelers' film this week would end up on the cutting room floor, and I'm pretty sure there's a good number of fans who would be willing to see a lot of the players and coaches make the cutting room floor as well. But today, we're going to look through that mess of a game for, well, maybe not diamonds, but uh, something, really anything of value in a game full of rough film. Start off on defense. Cameron Hayward tied for the team lead in tackles. Uh, No tackles for a loss, no QB hits, not much pressure to speak of, no real splash. But to be fair, anytime the Bengals wanted to, they double-teamed him. And normally when they didn't double-team him, It's because they could afford to move away from him and run the play in the opposite direction. 
The Bengals' blocking scheme showed absolutely no respect for Chris Wormley, Jameer Jones, or a newcomer Derek Tuska. Early on, the Bengals were drawing the Steelers into their 3-4 personnel sets with, with their offensive personnel, and then they would scheme to get an offensive outside linebacker in coverage. This is not a huge deal normally that's consistent with what the Steelers normally do. They win with that strategy. You know, and when it's TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, both one of them can drop into coverage, the other one's still going to be dangerous rusher. If it's TJ Watt and Melvin Ingram, or Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith, when whenever you have two pass rushers out there that can both cover and rush at a pretty high level, it, it doesn't matter. You can put one into coverage, the other one's still coming. And we, we can blitz somebody, you know, or we just have a numbers advantage in coverage and still put a four-man rush because you've got three defensive linemen and one more outside linebacker. It's not a big deal to our defense normally. But when you have Jameer Jones starting, and Jameer Jones is someone the team doesn't trust that well in coverage, well, that means you're dropping Melvin Ingram into coverage pretty much every time. You've got no T.J. Watt. You've got no Alex Highsmith. You've got Jameer Jones, Cam Hayward, Chris Wormley, and Isaiah Loudermilk. Or Isaiah Bugs, Or, you know, Henry Mondeau. That's your pass rush. You're not getting pressure with that four-man pass rush. When Cam Hayward is really the only commodity there of any real value to as a pass rusher you're not getting anywhere with that so when you look at the snap counts from the week Derek Tuska ended up getting more snaps than Jameer Jones and I think a decent part of that is they were more willing to put Derek Tuska in coverage yeah it's not like like really uh I think it's important to note here because people hear this and be like, well, you have to scheme around that. Well, T.J. Watt was questionable for this game, right? You you had maybe a day the team knew that T.J. Watt definitely wasn't going. If T.J. Watt was healthy enough, if he got Saturday, he cleared stuff, Sunday he was fine, and he plays, even if he's 85 90%, but there's no real risk of, not much risk of him re-injuring it, making it worse – then this strategy doesn't work. It doesn't do anything for you because you've got T.J. Watt and you've got Melvin Ingram, right? You don't change your defense. Even let's say they found out, like, say, reasonably late Saturday, they find out. Well, even if they found out Saturday morning, that's one practice, right? If you if you found out Saturday morning T.J. Watt's not going to go, how much can you really do to prepare a team your defense to run a completely different scheme than what you've been running for years. What everything they've practiced in the offseason and the preseason through the first two weeks of the season, right? The Bengals knew they could exploit this because we didn't have players. So they did. Later in the game, they just stopped going 3-4 and they gave up, you know, some advantage in the run game to the Bengals just to avoid that situation. Until then, the Bengals worked it. They worked it as long as the Steelers were willing to do it. And once the Steelers switched, obviously, they could run on them. 
Let's move on to the inside linebackers. Uh, I have not been impressed with Joe Schobert. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's bad. I just don't think he's really adding anything more than what we saw from Robert Spillane against the Raiders. Like, I don't, I don't think he's really an upgrade there. Obviously, having two players at that level is better than having one and having no depth. But for me, watching the film right now, you know, Joe Schobert on film from previous seasons is better than Robert Spillane. Uh, unless you're looking at the very high-end Robert Spillane from last season when he was really playing well and he had good people around him, like he was fitting well in that system. When he was at his best last season, that's Joe Schobert. But Joe Schobert is more reliably that guy. Uh, and Joe Schobert does it more frequently in the season, even than Robert Splane did last year. And Robert Splane wasn't 100% going into the season also. You know, you'd rather have Joe Schobert overall. But right now, he's not that guy. Right now, Joe Schobert doesn't look like he's really fitting into the defense well. He's looking a little slow to react. He's not... He's not just playing football. He still he still gives the impression to me of a guy who's thinking too much out there. And that's a problem. That's a problem when you have a linebacker who, you know, maybe isn't the most confident in his knowledge of this defensive system. He's not the most confident in his role and what his assignment is. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if it's, you know, something else, but that's what it looks like to me. He's just a little slow. Uh, right, right now, he kind of looks like what I would call a location-based guy. Uh, you give him a man to cover, he's going to cover that guy. You give him a spot on the field to be in zone, he's going to cover that spot. If the play goes to his spot, he's going to be there. But he's not hes not making plays. He's not, you know, expanding on that. He's, he's not going beyond, like, kind of a baseline competence, I would say. Uh, and this, this is something I want to talk about because we're seeing it right now with all these injuries. There's, you'll hear people say, hey, next man up, no excuses, right? It doesn't matter if that guy out there is TJ Water, Derek Tuska. You know, no excuses, next man up, standard is the standard. You know, you've got to go out there and make plays anyways. But that's, first off, it's just not realistic. I think we can all agree that's not realistic. You don't just replace... T.J. Watt with Derek Tuska and say, Derek Tuska, go make the same place T.J. Watt would. If you're going to do that, then you know you might as well pay him the money. Pay him T.J. Watt's money and say, go be T.J. Watt because we are demanding that you do that. That's not reasonable. He's not going to be that guy. So what I want to talk about is, is, is three levels of players on a team. You can divide them into three levels. One is an asset. That is a player who does more than an average defender and actually, you know, Brings more to the table. Uh, you have kind of a neutral player as a player who can go and do their job, do it at a good enough level that you can rely on them to do the job they're supposed to do. But they're not bringing you really more. But they're also not a liability. And that's the third. The third category is a liability. It's a person you have to cover for. It's a person that you really can't trust out there, but that's out there nonetheless. The idea behind next man up, when they talk about next man up, is don't be a liability. You know, go in there and do your job so that the guys around you that are assets, that are the stars, that are the talented players, that are the the big names, they can do their job. If they're not having to cover for you, they can still do their job, right? The more they have to cover for you, the less big plays they can make. 
That's that's how I look at roster, and I think that's the best way to look at next man up. The problem is right now, man, there's too many assets missing from this team. Right? We've talked about this. In pass rush, you know, you've gone from Cam Hayward, asset, Stefan Tuitt, asset, Tyson Alu Alu, who the last couple of seasons has been an asset in pass rush and in run defense. You've got TJ Watt, asset. You've got Melvin Ingram, he's an asset. Alex Highsmith is is having kind of a, a sophomore slump, but I'd still put him in the asset category, right? You've got seven guys who bring you more than than just holding down the position and being good, you know, being solid. They're solid or, or better. Maybe, maybe probably Alex Highsmith right now this season, you would put him as kind of a neutral. He hasn't done much, right? But he's, he hasn't been fully healthy. He's had some problems. And, and it's a, you know, it's one of those things. It's a sophomore slump. It happens. That's my opinion. Uh, but you've got a lot of assets, in that front line of that defense. Well, what do you have right now? You've got Melvin Ingram. You've got Cameron Hayward. That's your assets. Neutral. I'd say, you know, uh, Chris Wormley does his job. He's solid, right? And that's it. You know, Jameer Jones and Derek Tuska played good games. They should be liabilities out there. They played good games. They weren't really liabilities. They just weren't really doing much other than just holding on. Like they were they were trying not to, to suck out there, and they weren't. But you can't just have Cam Hayward and and uh Melvin Ingram and have a have a pass rush. Right? Melvin Ingram played 100 percent of the snaps. 100 percent That's crazy. Bud Dupree did that back in like 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. None of those guys. We had three years since with nobody, no defensive end, no outside linebacker getting 100% of snaps. Melvin Ingram did that in week three because they had to. If you take him off, you've got nothing. You've got Cameron Hayward out there and they're just laughing at you while they double team Cameron Hayward. This, this defense came into the offseason already down a few defensive backs. We were already looking at next man up with James Pierre stepping up, with Arthur Millette, with Train Norwood. I mean, even even uh, Antoine Brooks was going to be kind of a next man situa- up situation, and he he didn't even survive to the season. He's, he's not here. So the Steelers said, okay, we're going to rely heavily. They knew when when they signed Cameron Sutton, they were leaving Steven Nelson go. They they knew they were going to be down some coverage in the secondary. One of the reasons I think they let Mike Hilton go, you know, and when they lost Vince Williams, you lost one of your blitzers. You lost some of your blitzing guys because they knew, hey, you know, we're going to have to rely on the four-man pass rush more than we did last season because these guys are stepping in. And this is another thing with with – next man up ideology is the stars have to fill in for the other stars. When when that guy's gone, you just have to make some more plays, right? If there's six of you covering for one dude, all of you need to make a little bit more of a play. If there's five of you covering for two guys that are missing, okay, you can still do that. But when it gets to be four covering for three, or in our case now, you're, you're talking, you know, three guys trying to cover for four guys who are missing or two guys covering for five guys that are out. You, you can't do it. And next man up just becomes there's not enough assets left on the field to be good. And this defense wasn't a good defense this week. Too many people gone. Uh, 
watching watching the film, it's even hard to tell if their scheme breaks, right? It's it's hard to even tell because there's guys just getting beat, right? You're 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 having a hard time seeing. Is is this you know what they were trying to run or did they mess up here? Because there's too many mess ups. There's too many guys not getting there. Uh, the worst play to me though was the 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 second touchdown to Jamar Chase, the one where he beat Joe Hayden. You you can count it. You can look at the the game clock. Joe Burrow had four seconds in the pocket. He's just standing there four seconds working through his progression. Over that four seconds, Jamar Chase got away from Joe Hayden. You, you're not going to cover Jamar Chase for four seconds. You're not going to do it. We saw Derek Carr rip apart the Steelers' defense when he was getting two and a half to, to three seconds. Joe Burrow was four seconds is going to find somebody. Somebody's going to get open. That's That's what we were facing by the end of that game. So really on the defense... My thing is, there's too many people out. I think we saw that in Tomlin's post-game press conference. Man, I have not seen that man look that defeated. I think he knows that right now, the ship he has is missing too many boards. It's missing too many players. It's not going to float. This defense is not going to be good until it gets healthy. So we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to dig into the side of the ball that is uh, that is healthier and playing worse. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Steelers' offense. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. You are listening to The Cutting Room Floor. As always, The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Each week I like to give a little shout out to a show that I found particularly interesting uh, from our podcast family in the past week. Today I want to talk about The War Room with Maddie Peverell, a show where one of our favorite Australians dig inside the brain of Kevin Colbert and Steelers management to talk about the Steelers roster as well as the roster of the team we're going to face this week. Each week, Matty Peverell breaks down the Steelers roster and their matchup with the opponent, looking at advantages, disadvantage each team faces. One of my favorite parts of the show, though, and one of the biggest parts of the show, is his weekly rookie report, where he not only goes through the Steelers rookies and tells you who what they've been doing and, and how they've been growing as players, but also looks at the opposing team and the new players on their roster and what they've been doing. It's a great way to get prepped for the for the game each week, and with 
the situation the Steelers roster finds itself in right now, going up against a Packers team that has won two straight games. Matty Peverell's War Room is a must-listen this week. In the second half of this show, we're going to talk about the offense. And this is this is the more challenging half. The first half of the show, we talked about the defense and mostly how how much of an impact injuries have. Despite, you know, the, the rhetoric of, of next man up and the standard is the standard, losing talent hurts. Well, on offense, until this game, the Steelers have been really healthy. And on offense, the Steelers have stunk. So today we're looking for what didn't stink on film against the Bengals. We're going to start looking at the offensive line. Now, I know penalties kill drives, but the Steelers' offensive line taking the Buffalo Bills strategy from week one and just holding everybody, uh, even though it got them some penalties, I'm okay with it. You know, they can't call all of the holding. Learn to do it a little more subtly. And if it gets you going, if it gets the line a little momentum earlier in the game, it stops, you know, the defensive line from just having all the momentum and everything going for them. If it, if it gets something out of it, I'm okay with it. You know, this offensive line is young. They're growing. Uh, anything, anything they can do that gets them through a play and onto the next play, I'm, I'm okay with at this point. Now, I'm partially joking. But one of the bright spots in this game, and to me the biggest bright spot, well, probably second biggest, I'll have to go. I'll have to dial that back. Second biggest bright spot of this game was the improved blocking from the offensive line. Now, this this is more an indictment of how bad the blocking has been than how good it became. Uh, but I, I thought they were more reliable in run blocking. I, they thought they were doing far better in pass blocking than they have in the last two weeks. And overall, just, just better. Uh, hopefully, hopefully Kendrick Green and uh, Chakumo Korafor are healthy for week four. I know, I know it, it's easy to sit there and look and say, well, what does it matter? They were terrible. But a line in this situation, depth still matters, right? <laughs> you, you still need depth. And they were still better than the people that were behind them. Uh, it's it's a bad spot. Um, now, late in the game, the Bengals kind of backed off a bit out of the box, and they only sent four rushers in a very basic rush. But the line looked really good in that the uh, towards the end of the game. Now, I think that shows that we have some talent there. We have some ability. It's got to gel. They've got to learn how to play in the NFL, the younger guys, we need to be healthy. And another big one is they need to back the defense out of the box. As long as the defense is able to put plus one defenders in the box, the the offense is going to struggle. Now we'll get to that (laughs) in our last section of the show. We'll get back to that. Now I want to talk about Najee Harris. Najee Harris is a star. What I'm seeing on film, Najee Harris is a star who just happens to be spending his rookie season trapped on a terrible offense. And really, the Steelers' offense right now is terrible. There's no, I'm not going to mince words here. 
The Steelers' offense right now is terrible. Najee Harris set a Steelers rookie record for receptions with 14. A mark that not only is a rookie reception record, but is tied for third all time for most receptions by a Steeler in the game. The only receiver ahead of him on that list is Antonio Brown, who had a game where he caught 17 passes and a game where he caught 16 passes. No one else has caught more than 14, and Najee Harris is joined by mostly Antonio Brown at that at that point at 14 catches. Now, that's impressive. The previous rookie record was nine, but I want to skip over that real quick and go back to when the record was eight receptions. That record was first set in 1951 by a Steelers draft pick called Henry Minarik. 1951. He set that record on December 16th, the last game of the 1951 season. In 1952, in training camp, Henry Minarik had an eye injury and would never play again. Now, Minarik would live until 2018, when he died at the age of 93 months after his record fell. His record fell also in the last game of the season when Landry Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster hooked up for nine receptions on December 31st, 2017. A record that stood, it was tied but never beaten for 66 years and 15 days. And three months after Juju Smith-Schuster beat it, Henry Minarik died. He outlived his own record. And that lasted a long time. He had to live till 90 to outlive his own record. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster setting that record of nine, that, that record barely outlasted his rookie contract. It's week three of, the, of 2021. And Najee Harris smashed it. Took it from 9 to 14. He also had 100 yards receiving. It's only the second 100-yard receiving game since Antonio Brown left. The other one was Chase Claypool in week 5 of, 20, of the 2020 season. That's it. Since 2018, the Steelers have two 100-yard receiving games. Both were by rookies. So that's impressive for Najee Harris. But you want something even more impressive about Najee Harris. Najee Harris has run the ball 40 times. According to PFF, he leads the NFL in the percentage of runs where the runner is hit in the backfield. According to them, that mark is 70% of his runs. Now, 70% of 40 rushes is, is a straight up, that's 28 times. So Najee Harris has run the ball 40 times. 12 of those, he's gotten to the line of scrimmage without being hit. 28 times, he has been hit in the backfield. Now, that's pretty bad. In week three, in week one of this season, Najee Harris had three runs that went for negative yards. In week two, he had two runs that went for negative yards. In week three, he had one run that went for negative yards. That's six runs for negative yards in 40 rushes. That also means that while the offensive line has only gotten Najee Harris to the line of scrimmage without contact on 30% of his runs, 
On those 70% where he does get hit, Najee Harris has gotten 78.6% of them, at least to the line of scrimmage, and only a couple were, were no gain. Most of them gained at least a yard, and he's got several that are significant more than that, two or three, four yards even. Not not a whole much beyond there because, really, the blocking's, the blocking's not good. When you're breaking two, three tackles just and dragging people just to get two yards, it's pretty bad. And again, I want to I want to again state week 3 was the offensive line's best game yet. They are improving. Things are getting better. It's just when you look at where they started and you look at how they're improving, there is a long way to go. And and there are it's a legitimate thing to ask is can this offensive line even be decent by the end of the year? Moving off of Najee Harris and the run game and all that, let's go to the tight ends. Eric Ebron drop season came early in 2020. I'm I'm beginning to think there is a curse of Jesse James because since we've gotten rid of him, the number two tight end hasn't been able to be productive at all. Uh, Eric Ebron now has one reception on seven targets compared to Pat Fryermuth, who has caught eight of ten targets. Pat Fryermuth, of course, is a positive in this game. And as I speak of Pat Fryermuth, I want to talk about Matt Canada because these two cannot be separated. Pat Fryermuth and Matt Canada are a great fit. A great fit together. And I want to talk about his touchdown pass, his touchdown reception. If you watch that play, that is a great example of Matt Canada. When people say, oh, Matt Canada's just running the same old plays that Randy Feekner ran. Well, he's not. He's not. You just can't throw out 80 brand new, exciting, innovative plays every week. You can't do it, right? You have a certain limit of how many new stuff you can do, how many how many innovative plays you can really throw around there. Most of the game, you still have to make yards on staple NFL plays. You have to be able to run off tackle. You have to be able to run inside or outside zone. Those plays, you can dress them up. You can make them in motion. You can send 87 guys in motion. Whatever you want to do, you still have to execute the play and be able to gain yards on plays that the defense has seen before. You cannot rely on trickery and new stuff that no one's ever seen. Those are those are a few times a game. And when we see those plays from Matt Canada, they're fantastic. So let's go over the Pat Fryermuth touchdown. You start with two tight end personnel. You've got Zach Gentry, Pat Fryermuth on the field. You've got Najee Harris on the field. You've got two receivers, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. If you watch that touchdown, Juju Smith-Schuster's to the left. To the right, far outside, you have Chase Claypool. Inside of him, you have blocking tight end Zach Gentry. And inside of him in the slot is Najee Harris. Now that is telegraphing, absolutely telegraphing to this defense that the big threat on this play is Najee Harris with Chase Claypool and Zach Gentry blocking for him. So the minute the snap occurs, Jesse Bates, the free safety, and the inside linebacker both shift that way because they're going to have to give help in front of Najee Harris. They're going to have to, someone's going to have to get out there, turn him upfield. Someone's going to have to be there, and someone's going to have to be there for the cutback lane. You've got two blockers and three defensive backs, right? This is not a good situation. Najee Harris out there. He can break a tackle. You know he can. You need two people to even think you're going to bring him down right? So the minute the snap is going, those guys are heading that way. As they're doing that, Ben Roethlisberger starts to run to his right, towards them. 
this is a brilliant part of the play because the blocking for this play has Kevin Dotson pulling from left guard and coming around to block the defensive end to the side that Ben Roethlisberger and Najee Harris are, are, are all moving, right? He comes out to block him. That guy gets blocked by Kevin Dotson, sees Ben Roethlisberger moving to his right and starts to mirror Ben Roethlisberger going right at that moment. Kevin Dotson pulls off of the defensive end, leaving him completely unblocked, and goes up to find the linebacker who took a few steps towards Najee Harris before figuring out, hey, if they were going to throw this, they would have thrown it really quick. And now I'm thinking that Pat Fryermuth guy coming around from the other side tight end and looping inside might be a threat. He turns to start to go that way, and who meets him? Kevin Dotson. Bam. You're not getting anywhere. Pat Fryermuth catches the pass. The only defender that has a shot at him is the defensive end from the left side who saw Pat Fryermuth go in motion and started to mirror him and got shoved by Dan Moore Jr. It's the only contact he got. Gets a hit on Pat Fryermuth, but is unable... And, I mean, he does bring him down, but is unable to bring him down before Pat Fryermuth crosses the line for a touchdown. Matt Canada drew up a fantastic play there. It plays off of Pat Fryermuth's versatility, both as a blocker and a receiver and a runner. It, it The stuff they're doing on offense, there's some fantastic stuff Matt Canada is doing. You may not see it on most plays, but what you're seeing is the majority of plays running in NFL game are going to be plays that you've seen before. It's whether the talent executes it or not. And what we're seeing right now is the offensive line and the next person I want to talk about, the quarterback not executing. And here we go. In this week, Ben Roethlisberger had more time. He still took hits. He still was sacked. He still made some bad throws. But I want to focus on a drive in the third quarter. If you go find it, it's like five minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, it's the drive that ended with uh, the missed field goal for the Steelers. The two plays before that field goal attempt involved Ben Roethlisberger throwing, trying to hit Pat Firemuth down the seam and Ben Roethlisberger trying to hit Chase Claypool. Both deep. Both balls into the end zone. And they both had something else in common, something I talked about last week, something I put in my Twitter last week, and something that may end up a film room this week with, with these three plays all standing out. The first play here is Fryermuth. The defender on Fryermuth has outside leverage, and there's an inside. The free safety is in the middle, right? When Ben Roethlisberger throws the ball, the defender covering Fryermuth is outside of him, and Jesse Bates is in front of him. Pat Fryermuth is gotten behind Jesse Bates already, so Jesse Bates has to run back to the ball wherever Ben throws it. Ben throws it outside, and you can see Fryermuth has his hand on the defender's back and is driving that dude towards the ball and cannot get to the ball. Ben Roethlisberger threw it with to the outside when the defender had outside leverage, basically saying, hey, Pat, just run that guy over and go get this ball. Well, you can't do that. If the defender has position, you can't run through him. That's offensive pass interference. Ben Roethlisberger threw the play to the defense. To the defensive strength, his receiver didn't have a chance. The very next play, Chase Claypool heading up towards the end zone, and Ben Roethlisberger throws it outside of him when he has, again, outside leverage. This time, Jesse Bates, knowing it's third and long, 
is back a little bit farther, but there's still a window to lead Chase Claypool directly into the end zone and have a shot at a touchdown. And Ben Roethlisberger throws it outside into the defensive leverage. Neither of them even had a shot at the ball. And then the Steelers are taking a field goal and they miss it. If Ben Roethlisberger hits those, not only instead of it being 24 to 7, is it 24 to 14? It's a two score game, 10 points. It's a different game as we head towards the fourth quarter. But if you hit those passes, now the defense starts having to think maybe we should put two deep safeties out there. Maybe we should put both safeties deep, play a little more zone, and watch those deep routes to the outside so we have them covered. Instead of there being this window to hit Chase Claypool or Pat Fryer, most two tall and really reliable targets and deep balls, they're doing pretty good down there. They're dangerous threats. But our quarterback isn't hitting them. Our quarterback is throwing to the defensive leverage. I don't know if this is Ben not trusting his arm to make that throw between the receiver and the deep safety. I don't know. I don't know if he just doesn't have the accuracy anymore and he's intending to throw that ball, but it's throwing outside, which would be weird. He's hitting other passes. He can hit them on the sideline. If Ben Roethlisberger can't connect those passes, defenses will have literally zero reason to put two safeties or more deep. They'll continue to play cover one. They will continue to be able to put plus one defenders in the box to defend the slant routes and the run game. And for really, really just watch what the offense was able to do late in that game when the defense started playing two deep safeties and only rushing four. The offensive line is picking up the rush and giving Ben time. You know, they, Ben hit Claypool a couple of times. Ben was hitting Najee Harris all over the place. We were, we were moving the ball, right? Even if it's not great, even if we weren't scoring touchdowns, if you can hit those passes, you're going to open things up in the rest of the offense. If you can't hit those passes, or in this case, don't even really try. There's no reason for the defense to take those seriously until the game is so in hand that they don't care anymore. So that's where we stand right now. In my opinion, on film, the Steelers' offense stands looking at Ben Roethlisberger and saying, "Can are you going to throw those? You're going to take that shot because if you don't, you're asking the offensive line to carry the load, and they're not that. They're not that line right now. They're probably not going to be that line the rest of this season. Ben's going to end his career this season." With an offensive line that can't carry him with the because he's not willing to take these shots. Or he's unable to. I don't know. All right, that's it for our show. I want to thank all of my listeners for their support of this show and for your support of both Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Check out the website. I've got a couple of film rooms coming. Uh, I know Dave Schofield and I are planning on a vertex that's going to cover Najee Harris outside of the run game, what he does outside of that. I've got some interesting things for that. Uh, and I think I am going to I'm going to put together a, at least a quick film room of those shots that Ben Roethlisberger keeps throwing outside. So you can see for yourselves what's going on there. 
All right. Thank you. Have a good day and a good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.